my up? Every hour on the hour, when we listen and gain our knowledge and power, we turn to the no bullshit hour. Let's just start breaking this. Double or bullshit. Double or bullshit. No bullshit. We've got breaking news. We go live to the east side of Detroit with Karen Dumas with this important message. The National Weather Service has issued a spe special weather statement for Wayne County. You're screwed. You're screwed. Again. We, got, we got storms coming, Karen. They are here, Charlie. It's getting dark. I'm seeing people post on social media that their power is out. So oh. it's it's a, it's the remix. Are you are you um, um, blowing up your kayak as we speak, Karen? Pretty much, and I hope that I don't have to throw away the stuff in my refrigerator again. I mean, it's. It's coming. It's dark outside. I mean, it's very, very dark. So, so listen, I mean, folks. It shouldn't be this way, but it is. L listen, folks. We live in Michigan. If the power goes down, we're going to continue to do the program. You just tune in later. I don't understand. Two trillion dollars later, after Afghanistan, we got to live like this. I really, really don't. Karen. I don't understand either, Charlie. I wish I had an explanation for it, but you know, I told you I pulled up, uh, well, I saw some Facebook memories. We had a power outage that exceeded three days back in what, 2016? I mean, it's been going on, so I, I don't- Where was that memory? What was the memory? Yeah, the Facebook memory. Yeah, that we were out of power for over 30 hours. Where were That's we? That's what the memory was. Where were we? <laughs> Oh, now then in 2014, you and I were <laughs> at Kid Rock's house watching the hydroplanes. The one where I got <laughs> naked and really high and the harbor police pulled up uh, and asked me why I was floating naked. I believe so. That was after you jumped through the tire swing. Yeah, I think that was that visit, I, I believe. I snagged my junk. I actually made it through the tire swing. Really? Yes. I was the landing. Did you stick the landing? Memories <laughs> in the corner of my mind. Yeah, when Charlie started disrobing, I turned around and went back. <laughs> that's that's a time to leave. Because I it was went back to the house. Yeah, we were walking down to the boathouse, and when he started taking off his clothes, I said, uh, "I think I need to go back." <laughs> I thought it was the butt house. I didn't know, and you know, I Karen turned around because it's blinding like the sun. <laughs> Yeah, I had to go back. Ooh, we had a good time. I'll tell you what. Uh, I remember uh, waking up, uh, not waking up, but partying till dawn with uh, Bobby and. That guy could play the piano, man. We were singing, uh, yeah. we were singing um, Fats Domino's tunes and shit. Really? Teach me how to play him. It's cool. That's fun. Shout out, Bobby. How you doing out there, down there in Tennessee, bro? All right, listen. Um, big program today. Listen, we've got a clusterfuck going on in Afghanistan, and we've got corruption just enveloping Detroit. So, just fresh off the plane from Afghanistan is Congressman Peter Meyer from Grand Rapids. He joined us earlier. Here's a little tease of what he had to say. 
the broader point is that we just handed in, in our and how our defeat was mismanaged and how this withdrawal was mismanaged into an utter defeat. We handed extremist Islamist radicals, right? These Salafist terrorist organizations, we handed them the most significant victory they have ever seen. Wow. So they are emboldened, they are excited, and they are ambitious. 10 more years of this shit. Okay, so that's coming up. Also, as everybody knows, the FBI raided City Hall and the homes of two Detroit City Council people and their chiefs of staff, which makes four of these bozos in the last four months, which gives you some kind of indication, folks, about the culture in Detroit City Hall. We sent our special correspondent, comedian Detroit Red, to the porch of the humi humiliated and, eh, how do I say, he's going to plead guilty. Yep. Yeah, convicted. Well, not convicted. Asshole. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? The disgraced city council person, Andre Spivey, this little tree's from Red. Hello? Well, can't get no answers. Motherfuckers ain't even got balls to come out and tell me to get off their porch. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really good piece. And, folks, 400,000 people in Michigan are scheduled to lose their unemployment benefits one week from today. So what is the value of a penny? What does it take to get you to bend over and pick up some free cash? That coming, right? But first, as always, the No Bullshit News Hour brought to you by American Coney Island, Detroit's oldest family-run restaurant, the birthplace of the world-famous Coney Dog. You know all about it. They're at Michigan and Lafayette. They're open till 7 now, and then on the weekends, open to midnight. So come on down, have a beer, and patronize Detroit's best. If you want a Coney kid, go to AmericanConeyIsland.com. Hey, see you, brother. Hold on. Everybody <laughs> out there, I don't know if the power's. I got to say goodbye to my friend. <laughs> Who's he saying goodbye to, Mark? Uh, don't you worry about it. If you were here, you would know. That's private business. <laughs> you, I'm you, sorry. you I just. Want to know. I want to. Let me see your dog, Karen. I can't. She's down here. I get pick her up. Let us camera. all see her. Let us all see her. Pick her up. Come on. She's sixty-five pounds. I can't pick Flux her up. Watch those muscles. Come on, Karen. You've been working no. out. I cannot like that. No, she's on the floor. <laughs> oh. uh, she likes to be in here under my desk when it starts to rain. So this is calming for her. Okay. I think it's my spirit, my energy, but it's calming for her. So she's fine. She's lying down and she's fine. Of course, it's your energy. Your energy's so good. You got creeps on the internet coming at you. Just <laughs> listen, Karen's not dating you. She's not going to have a cup of coffee with you. She's not doing any of that. So stop it. Stop. I think it was like that, Charlie. I think that pe people want to connect. And I told. Uh, uh, yeah, they want to connect, it's, baby. It's, it's the Vegas guy. And he wants to, you know, I told him we were going to have a, a meet and greet um, because he just wants to connect. But I met a nice young lady yesterday at. Um, Wait a Trader minute. Coast. You just said Vegas guy connect yeah. and meet. Yeah. Those are all red flags. Yeah. Right there. M E E T, <laughs> not M E A T. Oh, okay. The meat is on fire. Okay, look, let's like, stop. These are our listeners, Charlie. That's fine. Okay, just don't don't be creeps. On they're the not creeps. Nobody's a creep, Charlie. They're not. I mean, everybody. I just, I'm just trying to look out for you, my friend. 
If anybody's I'm, being creepy, you let me know. I'm good. We're not going to have any problems. So, uh, no, it's okay. Oh, and, and Karen's husband got really big muscles. <laughs> and, 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 you, and you know, I'm never alone. So I'm good, Charlie. Exactly. Nobody's, nobody's doing anything. And everybody knows Karen packs. Yeah, just gonna say, it's just Karen. Everybody knows it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's right over my uh, shoulder here, right behind me. <laughs> what do you expect to be happening? Who knows? Keep one, keep one on every floor. Okay, so, look, let's fine. let's segue. It's not an easy segue. Uh, the world is a mess. It Afghanistan's is. on fire. We've got civil war going on there. We've got 13 United States military personnel who lost their lives. I'd like to just take a second. The second deadliest day in the 20 years we've been in Afghanistan. This thing is crazy. Uh, Michigan's own Congressman uh, Peter Meyer from a Republican from Grand Rapids and a Democrat from Massachusetts. Uh, what's his name again? Moulton? Seth Moulton, yes. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They went together on their own, unannounced, because they want to have a look at what's going on. They want to report back to you. So he's fresh off the plane. We recorded this earlier because, as you might imagine, he's really busy he's on the armed services committee he's on homeland security so he, he gave us the honor giving us some of his time i want to get right to that in a nonpartisan way this is from the ground hey uh hey pete i know you're super busy today way to the world on you thanks for joining us thank you charlie um where are you at right now you look like you've been taking been taken hostage by the taliban and um this is like some kind of snuff film what, what's going on there what's behind you uh, it's just a map of Grand Rapids. I'm sitting at home in Grand Rapids. Um, just got back last night from the region. Uh, we were obviously at Kabul Airport, and then went off to Kuwait, Ali Aslim Air Base, where we have some of the evacuation operations ongoing, and then Al-Udid in Qatar, uh, where they have the largest processing facility for evacuees. Now, that's important to say. Look, 48 hours ago, you were in Kabul. Today, Correct. you had all kinds of vitriol coming out of uh the administration, the party leadership, you went with a, a Democrat from Massachusetts, Seth Moulton, uh, the Department of Defense is ripping into you. The very next day, we've got suicide bombers, 13 dead service members, dozens of Afghans. Do you now see what they were saying to you? Would you do it again? Absolutely, I would do it again. Uh, I think it's critically important to get that ground truth. Uh, I understand the criticism coming from somebody who thinks the Biden administration is telling us the whole truth and nothing but the truth, uh, but that has not been the case. They have been deceiving Congress. They've been deceiving the American people. Uh, and it's important that we have our representatives actually seeing what's going on. You know, one of the things that we've been involved with, both Seth and I, for months has been the special immigrant visa issue. Uh, we were able to better coordinate with the rescue forces on the ground to plug folks in uh, so that they were getting the most accurate information as efficiently as possible to rescue people as quickly as possible. So this was not, uh, as some have accused us, a photo op. I mean, this was our chance to figure out not only how to communicate what's going on so that people are aware so that I can share with folks like your audience, uh, but also to more efficiently coordinate that rescue operation because every single congressional office is getting overwhelmed with these requests for evacuation. And, and we just simply do not have the time for inefficiencies or duplication right now. Now, that's a pretty heavy charge. You said the Biden administration is basically lying to Congress and lying to the American people. Tell me specifically how. 
Sure. Uh, the first lie was on how they were going to execute the withdrawal and some of the assumptions that underpinned it. Uh, I spent 2013 to 2015 in Afghanistan as a civilian conflict analyst for the aid community, living on the economy, no weapons, no armed guards, no armored vehicles. Uh, this is a conflict I understand very well. And, and I had been in, in close you know, discussions with the administration as this withdrawal was happening and, and walked away feeling burned, feeling deceived, feeling like the assurances and the uh, the efforts that I understood were being undertaken were simply mismanaged. That's the only way that we could have gotten to this point. And then you have the more clear deceptions. You know, President Biden saying there's no more Al Qaeda in Afghanistan. You know, the White House secretary saying that, you know, the idea that Americans were stranded was inaccurate when all congressional offices were getting feedback from Americans who were stranded, uh, you know, you just had mistruth, lie, deception after deception on this. And, and frankly, that's been a hallmark of this 20 year conflict. But especially in these last waning days and hours, uh, we need to have that ground truth. That's why I went. We all saw the provincial capitals falling. We, we, we knew it. eight weeks ago on this very program. I wondered what was the rush? It's a uh, 9-11 photo op is what we were shooting for. But you knew, you knew if that was the date, we're going to have the worst pictures in the world, which we now have. Why wasn't there more done? For instance, you were there. Why isn't there a wider perimeter around that airport? Why are people right up at the gates? Why didn't we do that? What did you see? Did we do that? No, we were left with a couple hundred forces on the ground. You know, if we had a time machine, we'd go back and say, we're keeping Bagram Airfield. But the president wanted there to be 650 or fewer troops on the ground, and we couldn't hold Bagram Airfield with that number. Um, describe, you know, we, describe Bagram Airfield yeah. for the people that don't know, like what it is, what it looks like, and where it's at. Bagram Airfield is a sprawling base uh, in Parwan. It's about a 40-mile distance from downtown Kabul, so very far to drive, uh, but a short, you know, 15, 20-minute helicopter ride. Uh, it has multiple runways. It was the Soviets' largest base in Afghanistan during their war, and it was our largest base in Afghanistan during ours. So it can support a large number of individuals, and it's more easy to defend. Now, it's a bigger um, it's a bigger perimeter, so you need more forces to do that. But in contrast to Kabul Airport, which is right downtown, yeah. has one runway and is literally surrounded by neighborhoods on all sides. I mean, this is in a city and you know, we are incredibly vulnerable there. Right. The, the masses at the gates um, are because that's the only way to get in. You know, I mean, there are tens of thousands of people outside of each of those gates, each desperate, you know, to come to safety, some of whom qualify. They, they were interpreters or they served U.S. forces or their support for our mission made them vulnerable and some who don't, but just are seeking a better life. I mean, this is the impossible situation we have put our forces in in Afghanistan, and it should have never come to this. And it would not have come to this were it not for the botched execution of this withdrawal by President Biden. And how do you feel now? Okay. Everybody's at the gates. We're trying to get people through. And we're actually giving the Taliban a list of people that we want escorted into the airport. Yeah. Well, what, it, what does that mean? What if we don't get them out? What happens to those people? Simple yeah, English. It, it's, yeah, it's a world turned upside down. Now, now what, what happens is, um, you know, you will have a location 
that will be agreed upon with the U.S. and the Taliban. And the U.S. will say, here are the people who are coming to that location. And the Taliban will literally, you know, like they're outside, like they're a bouncer at a club. They'll be checking off people who are on the list and letting them in. I mean, it is bizarre. It is a world turned upside down. Pete, do you, uh, do you believe that they're going to let them in? And besides, uh, we have to let them in besides. So what happens if they don't let them in? You think those people are going to live a nice life six months from now? No, I mean, that's that's the challenge, right? I mean, the, the reality is we don't have another choice. Yeah, they're going to get be. killed. They're going to get murdered. Yeah. That, that's what's going to happen. Simple English. That's the dumbest shit I ever heard of. Pardon my French. This is where we're at. Right. And that 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 just absurd reality is not lost on anyone. You have commanders on the ground. You have troops who are there who have spent most of their career hunting down and killing or capturing members of the Taliban. And now they're sitting across from them at a table, you know, deconflicting operations and coordinating security. It is the strangest thing that you could imagine. It's the strangest thing that any of them could imagine. I mean, th this is where we are. This is the circumstance we found ourselves in. It is absolutely unacceptable. Um, and it is entirely the fault of this botched execution of the withdrawal. And, and we need to make sure this never happens again. But right now, it's not a choice between a good option and a bad option. We are in the realm of the least worst. And even the least worst is god awful. So what conclusions did you come away with? I mean, so you took this joyride, according to liberal media, right? Like you got nothing done, nothing accomplished. What did you get accomplished? What did you see? What did you come away with? Yeah, we were able to directly plug in and make sure to prioritize and efficiently introduce, you know, dozens, if not over a hundred, you know, rescue uh, operations or people who needed to be evacuated. We were able to take back and, and work with other members of Congress to more directly plug in their information so we could consolidate it. And so what are, you, what are you telling them? What's your takeaway from your 24 hours? Oh, yeah. I um, take. My takeaway is we have the best men and women on the world executing the most impossible mission that I think any members of the military have ever been handled. And they are doing it to the utmost ability and they're making this country proud that they should have never been in this position in the first place. That if we right now working with the Taliban is, is shameful, it's bizarre, it's embarrassing, and it's the only option that we have. Okay, so before you went, you were one of the guys saying we got to extend our time yeah. there to get everybody out. What do you say now, 48 hours later? I say now that if we engage in open warfare with the Taliban once again, uh, we are going to lose dozens, if not hundreds of additional Americans. We are in such a vulnerable position. We cannot afford that. And all those people who we're trying to get in will either not be able to get in or they'll die in the crossfire. Right? We retain the ability to kill the Taliban. But if we are doing that in an open urban conflict, conflict environment where we are sitting as vulnerable as we are is at that airport, it is going to be horror beyond imagination. So you now think we should honor the August 31st deadline. We should just get the hell out. We do not have a choice. I, I wish we had a choice. The choice right now is between sticking to that deadline, which, by the way, the Taliban were fine with September 11th. Sorry, the Taliban were fine with September 11th. It was President Biden who realized the optics weren't bad, moved it up to August 31st. And then the Taliban say, OK, that's the new date. Right. I mean, we we cut in nearly half the amount of time we had to evacuate. It's really I have to say this. Look, I was in Iraq. You were in Iraq. It's administration after administration, bureaucrat after bureaucrat. The people, the DOD, they're ridiculous. They're they're silly. Having said that, 
I don't know why we've been there so long. Like, don't forget, Biden was the vice president for eight years. So it's disingenuous of the man to say Trump put me in his position. You can roll back anything you want, any executive order you want. Right. In fact, you pushed it from May to August. You could have pushed it to February and got your shit together. You agree with that? Yeah. No, and, and again, I supported the withdrawal. And this is the tension, right? It's the only way to go is the withdrawal. Nobody's yeah. arguing about the withdrawal. It's the manner yeah. in which we're doing it. And it's hard to imagine us having done it worse, right? I mean, the situation that we're in, the amount of lives that we lost uh, on Thursday's attack, just the chaos and the pandemonium and the people that were stranded. Again, we were begging the administration, urging them back in April and May and June to get their act together and start evacuating our allies. Right. Fearing this scenario. Right. And I didn't come upon this issue lately. This has been something we have been intimately working with the administration on in a bipartisan way for months and saying we have time right now to get these people out. Let's not wait. Do not wait. Delay is deadly. And the administration finally got into gear at the end of July two weeks before the entire country fell. Going forward, um, you know, you have the 20th anniversary, September 11th. You hear all these names. I just think of regular citizens sitting here. You hear Taliban, Al-Qaeda, ISIS. Um, and it's ISIS-K. ISIS-K. It just strikes some fear as, oh, my God, are we going to be attacked either here or abroad or, or Americans? Should they be worried? And who, which group would you worry the most about? Who has the wherewithal and the money to pull off attacks? And this as well, before you answer it. And who are we going to do business with over there? So answer no. all of that real short. <laughs> no, I mean, that, the, the, the weird getting back to the Taliban. I mean, we had actually been working with them for years now on hunting down the Islamic State folks who were there. Now, a lot of these Islamic State members used to be part of the Taliban, got disaffected, started doing more extreme things. If you can imagine, there were groups that were more extreme than the Taliban um, and the Taliban started to go after them. We were going after them and sometimes working together to go after them. So it is weird. It is bizarre. It's an enemy of my enemy situation. Um, but the broader point is that we just handed in, in our and how our defeat was mismanaged and how this withdrawal was mismanaged into an utter defeat, we handed extremist Islamist radicals, right? These Salafist terrorist organizations, we handed them the most significant victory they have ever seen. Wow. So they are emboldened, they are excited, and they are ambitious. So we are by every stretch of the imagination entering a very dangerous period. If we had hoped to move past the war on terror, I think we just extended it for a decade, if not more. And it is incredibly frustrating Mark that Day. we are there right now. Uh, sir, Peter Meyer, Republican from Grand Rapids, Michigan. You sit on the Homeland Security and Foreign Affairs Committees. Ah, that's pretty heavy. Are you a freshman? You're a freshman? It's your first yeah. term. CIA Director William Burns held a secret meeting Monday in Kabul with the Taliban's de facto leader. So question, can you tell me how much money did we give them? Because I was in Iraq, you were in Iraq. I remember the uh, shrink-wrapped uh, tons of money that we were throwing out to tribal chieftains. How much money did we give this guy to cooperate with us? I hope we find out soon, and I hope we have a full accounting of what was said and what was done, what was offered and what was gained. Uh, right now, we have no idea. 
the next 20 days in Afghanistan will determine the next 20 years in that country. So this is an incredibly volatile time. We don't have a good understanding of where things are going, but by God, we need to. So you got in your gut, you think in your gut, we promised that because they need money above all else. The Taliban needs money to float. Are we handing it to them? I think we have 9 billion in their currency reserves right now at the Fed, right? We've frozen their assets. Uh, If they want to have an economy, they have to go through us. Oh, but don't they get a lot of money from illegal traffic, you know, guns and drugs, which, which is all well and good if you're trying to run, you know, sort of a ragtag, you know, militant state that's maybe supported by some foreign intelligence services, you know, but in order to run a government and to provide a basic level of service, which, by the way, the Afghan people have come to expect, not that the Afghan government was overwhelmingly competent, you know, but a lot of them lived for the past 20 years with some basic standards that they expect to see upheld. And so that's going to be a real management challenge on behalf of the Taliban. Um, you know, they could they could go back to the pre 9-11 medieval tactics, uh, but they're going to encounter some real challenges because the people have seen a different reality. They've seen a different life and they're not going to be satisfied or content or go willingly you know, back to the dark ages. Picking up on what Mark said, uh, you know, about arms smuggling, et cetera. How worried should we be about the equipment and the armaments that really uh, leaving behind, in my opinion, and it's just a small guy here. Now I'm just in a basement talking to you. I don't know how they'd get the parts and the oil and the, the replacement kits to keep that stuff up. Should we be worried about all all the armaments we're leaving behind? I think symbolically, it looks terrible. Um, I think tactically, some of those Humvees and pickup trucks are still useful. Um, the airplanes, they're going to struggle to fly them without mechanics, without pilots. And then they can find a mechanic. They can find a pilot. Getting the parts is going to be really challenging. Uh, I think it's more of a symbolic loss than anything else. But also, I mean, the hundreds of thousands of rifles, uh, the body armor, all of that supporting equipment. I mean, it, it will help the Taliban you know, become a more fortified force, but nothing that's going to do. I, right now, like it's hard for me to imagine them actually being able to, you know, fly those airplanes or fly those helicopters. That could change, um, but I think symbolically right. and from a financial standpoint, it's a tremendous defeat. Do we create this void now that Russia and China are going to go fill uh, in working with the Taliban? That we've seen that before. I think in Syria and other parts of the Middle East. How how concerned are you about that? You know, I think that vacuum will be filled. Um, one thing to note is that Iran. Russia and China, they all stand to lose from instability in Afghanistan. Um, you know, they have seen attacks on their own soil from Islamic extremist organizations. So that's something that, you know, they are very mindful of as well. Um, so they may stand to gain. They could also stand to lose. And this is, this is again, why these next 20 days are going to be vitally important to determine the next 20 years, um, not just for Afghanistan, but for that region on the whole. I think it's important, by the way, I was talking to my wife last night. You know, she's reading the, the headlines about you to, to spoil rich boys pulling strings and he's getting over to to Afghanistan and getting in the way. Tell us how you and uh, Congressman Moulton, a Democrat from Massachusetts, actually got to Kabul and how you got out. So the record is clear. Yeah, we paid for our own flights into the region. Uh, we took to the UAE, to the, the United Arab Emirates. Yeah, to the okay. to the region. Okay, um, and then to get into Kabul, we took available space um, on airplanes that were flying in there. Military uh, airplanes airplanes that were flying in there. Um, and then we, 
while we were on the ground, we had a support network that we had set up of non-military resources because we didn't want to be a burden. Uh, we brought in our own food and water. Um, I, I did take a cup of coffee from the folks who were there. So there was that limited. You're entitled, Congressman. That's okay. I'll pay for that. Reimburse it. Yeah. Yeah, while, while we were there, um, you know, first thing we did was we reported to the officials in charge to let them know that we were there. Um, one of the, the generals said, insisted, um, you know, instead of the, the vehicle transport that we had set up to get us around the base, insisted we take uh, one of his vehicles with a driver because they were not working that afternoon um, because he only needed them for movement and he wasn't planning to leave his facility. Um, so that was the extent of the personnel that was affiliated with us on behalf of the U.S. military. Uh, we were planning to take a, a non-military flight out, uh, but uh, someone in the Biden administration leaked our presence to the Washington Post. And so we had to move up that timeline. Uh, we waited, however, until there was seats available on an aircraft. Um, you know, we didn't want to be taking a seat from anybody who needed to get out. So we ended up on a U.S. military C-17 in some of the jump seats that were, were reserved for crew uh, that were open because they weren't repositioning anybody. So we uh, actually flew several hundred miles outside of where we intended to go uh, because we wanted to make sure we weren't taking away seats from anybody. So the idea that we were a massive distraction on the ground or that we soaked up resources uh, is, frankly, the administration trying to cover their own skin uh, because they, you know, realized they didn't want folks there seeing what was actually happening, reporting what was actually happening, talking to folks on the ground. They wanted to be able to control the message. They wanted to be able to control the narrative and they didn't want anyone seeing what was going on. Well, I think you got big balls and I support it. I, I do. I, I support that's That's why you're in the seat. I'm glad uh, a Democrat went with you, a fellow vet went with you. I support it. Thanks for doing it. What did you see in the evacuee camps yeah. On the Arabian Peninsula, what what state are these people living in? Did did we figure out that they were coming, and we have porta johns and sanitary conditions and good food for them? Yeah, the, the one message I want to, to emphasize is that every single American soldier, sailor, marine, airman, diplomat involved in this mission is working tirelessly around the clock, working their heart out to do the best that they can. That having been said, when when these people, when the evacuees are getting to Kuwait, when they're getting to uh, Qatar at Al Udaid Air Base, uh, I mean they are overwhelmed. Um, the, nobody was planning to have over 100,000 individuals that they would have to relocate in the span of 10 days. And Pete, the uh, proof's in the pudding when you look at those conditions. Nobody yeah. was expecting this to happen. No, and, and, and they are doing the best they can to manage it. But 100%, it is, you know, it's like, the, it's like the power workers in Michigan, you know, our power always goes out. I, I know those guys work hard. It's not the troops. It's not. Yeah. It's the bosses. We're infected with incompetence. That's the deal. Now, let me move this real quick before people think I'm a Republican again, which I'm not. I'm, I'm not a Democrat. I, I just lost my stomach for all of them a long time ago. You, sir, are one of 10 Republicans who voted to impeach Donald Trump. Now you're fighting for your political life and you had to buy a flat jacket, a bulletproof vest. Is that true? Uh, I probably shouldn't have shared that, um, but, you know, certainly the I have a higher risk profile than one normally would. And I mean, what do you you stick by it? What do you make of the fake election? The stop the steal? Was it a, legit, a legitimate election in your mind? I mean, I 
I have looked into so many bizarre, insane theories and not been able to find ground truth in any one of them. Uh, I mean, I, I think you had uh, Senator Ed McBroom on here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't I don't dismiss anything out of hand, but, you know, fantastic claims need fantastic evidence. And, and I mean, I think we've seen in, in some of the things that the MyPillow guy, Mike Lindell, has been doing. Uh, we see in, in this investigation, this audit down in Arizona. I mean, you have a whole lot of people making a whole lot of money off of this thing and not a lot of evidence to back it up. Um, you know, I had been talking with clerks. I've been talking with election security officials, you know, especially being on Homeland Security, you know, wanting to, to again, just say, hey, you know, help me understand this issue and chase down any number of wild leads. Um, I mean, the reality is that there's just there's no there there. Uh, yeah, there are procedures we should modify. The Secretary of State should not have sent out unsolicited absentee ballot applications. Like there are process and 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 procedural things that need to be corrected. But the idea that the November third election was a landslide victory for Donald Trump that was stolen, um, there was zero evidence behind that. Look and there are guy. people who believe it guy. and are willing to put their lives on the line for it. Look and that is guy. terrifying. You are an endangered species, bro. You're sort of like a moderate guy talking sense stop being so smart yeah we got to get him off this isn't good for ratings so i just don't want to be a hypocrite i mean i don't i grew up watching you know john stewart on the daily show and you'd have a democrat arguing one thing under a republican president or a republican arguing one thing under a democratic president and then arguing the exact opposite as soon as the the you know presidency changed so why did you why did you vote to uh impeach trump it could have been just easy not to vote to impeach him why did you do it what in your gut made I, you do it? I, I couldn't take a coward's way out. Right? I, I read those articles. He was guilty under those articles um, as best as I could judge it. Guilty of um, what? For our people, guilty. regular people listening to this, what was Trump yeah. guilty of in your mind? Guilty of incitement without two things, right? Without one, that November 3rd was a landslide victory that was stolen. And without two, January 6th is a day to stop that steal. You do not have those crowds at the Capitol. You do not have the Capitol getting overrun. And you do not have people dying in the process. And, and political violence is a line that we absolutely cannot cross. And we did not see the leadership from the president that we needed to. Is in that, that an moment. impeachable offense? Because I don't think I heard Trump tell the people to overrun the Capitol. I think I heard Giuliani say it. I just heard Trump say, walk on up there. I mean, if, if, if you believe that President Trump has no responsibility or no bearing on the events that unfolded that he encouraged and that as they unfolded, he was silent about while the number two, three and four in the presidential line of succession were all under assault. I mean, it it was a day that could have and, and frankly is, is shocking that it wasn't worse. It is a miracle that only one individual was shot and killed that day. Imagine imagine if you would have had a member of ISIS in the crowd shooting up at the Capitol Police. All right. I mean, imagine the bloodbath that could have ensued if one of the individuals who had a weapon in their backpack would have opened fire or somebody would have had more than just those two pipe bombs that were detonated um, around or that were uh, discovered around the Capitol. I mean, this we, we got ourselves into an incredibly dangerous and precarious moment because millions of people were misled. And, I, and, and that I, is shameful and unforgivable. I, I, I agree. And I'm on the record. I just wanted to hear your reasoning. I, I agree. And I, I'm getting really worried that there's no space for truth, for facts, for some middle ground where we can all live. You know, 20 years ago, my brother, George Bush took office 
right? And it had it was the U.S. Supreme Court that settled it. Mm-hmm. And people still don't believe he's the legitimate president. And now it's become national sport. Trump wasn't legitimate. There was Russian collusion. Now Biden's not legitimate because there was a steal going on. This is some bullshit. And I don't know what we're going to do if we start electing officials to do this because it's really just a PR game. Everybody's just yeah. grabbing in the piggy bank. Isn't that? You've been up there for a year right no and almost two almost two it's it's all the political parties to me are it's like a frat house in a sorority and they're just playing games because what it ultimately is about is getting contracts and jobs for your nieces and nephews is that what you're seeing in washington uh, I honestly, I wish it was that well-intentioned. Uh, I think it's a lot of people <laughs> struggling to figure out how they, you know, kind of stay politically alive from moment to moment. Uh, I mean, the, the great example here is I, I have friends who voted to uh, overturn the election. They voted to object. And now, you know, they are getting railed on by people who say, well, what else are you doing? Biden's illegitimate. You know, you need to reinstall Trump. Right. And this is the problem. If you're just straightforward and honest, then you don't have to do this tap dance. You might piss people off, but at least they know where you stand. And in my friends who kind of winked and nodded and, and, and tap danced along with the belief that the election was a landslide victory that was stolen, right? They can never satisfy those individuals who believe that. Right? I mean, they've promised them a unicorn and you can't just take a donkey, you know, spray paint it, throw some glitter on it and, and super glue uh, a horn to, the, to its nose. I mean, but that's, this that's what we're going to get in this infrastructure package. <laughs> We've all been promised everything, including a unicorn, and it's a goddamn glitter glued donkey that's been spray painted. That's a great metaphor for what the hell's going on in this country. Oh, yeah. No, the, the three point five trillion will fix all that ails you. You know, no one will ever go hungry again. And I mean, this, this, this utter, utter. Say it. I'll just say bullshit. Yes. Yeah, it's utter bullshit. <laughs> Thank that, that, you know, the government can solve every single problem, right? If you believe that government can solve the housing crisis, then go ahead and commit to living in public housing and see how that is, right? The government can provide a basic bare net to try to catch people. That's what it can do. It is not the mechanism for upward mobility. It is not the mechanism for individual success and advancement. It can just try to keep that bottom from falling out. But this idea that we need to have a centrally planned everything, find me one nation or one historical example where that has led to an overwhelming improvement in the quality of life in solving those problems. The Soviet Union? Yeah, that worked out great. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, right? But for a while... We've been claiming socialism and communism, you know, for for decades now. And then when you're actually presented with legitimate, unabashed socialist policies, like we no longer have the vocabulary. Well, here's the thing. Here's here's why the Soviet Union fell. They were printing money. That's what we're doing. We're feeding ourselves with our our kids bread, our grandkids bread. This is not sustainable. Nor was Iraq, nor was Afghanistan. We spent the last of what we had on a failed experiment. Is that the truth, sir? It is. And I apologize. I got to run, Charlie. I had a hard stop at 1130 and I'm, I'm, I'm well past it here, my brother. Okay. By the way, nice jacket. I have a, if you need to know how to tie an ascot, I can, <laughs> I can come on over Thank there you. and help you. Thank you, brother. And um, do the people's business. Thanks. Thanks for your service. Thank you. Godspeed. Karen. Yes. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, politics. Let me just say that. I mean, I, I, I applaud the fact that while some people may think that, you know, he's going on both sides and switching, 
I mean, people have to see things for what they are. I mean, it's not about the person. It should be about progress. And I think we get caught up on on the party and who's behind it. You know, people should be able to, to change their mind and change their position regardless of their political party. So to, to that to that end, I applaud it. Um, but it's just, you know, politics, is just an endless cycle of inefficiencies at every level. I don't care what the intent is behind it. Um, I do know that people are very disappointed with Joe Biden. And the only thing that's making them hold on to him is that they feel Kamala Harris is going to be worse. I mean, people were so anti-Trump that they wanted to put Joe Biden in. You know, they were hanging on to Kamala Harris because one day she's black, one day she's Asian. I mean, she's the cultural chameleon that appealed to so many people. But nobody ever took a look at who they were in their records and, you know, how that would translate into effective leadership at the federal level. And I think now that a lot of people are disappointed. Um, so we, we get what we vote for. Don't you think it's funny, weird, odd? That is all this stuff's going on in Kabul, Afghanistan, and people are comparing it to the withdrawal from Saigon, that Harris is actually in Vietnam, tweeting away. It's not lost it's on unfortunate, you. yeah. And you know It's not lost on you, Charlie. I don't think anybody else people don't take time, they don't pay attention, they don't connect the dots, they don't do their homework, they don't look at who these people were, what they did, where they are, the relevance of it. I mean, we just go from thing to thing, sound sound bite to sound bite, and, you know, we get dragged along. I mean, look at Joe Biden's uh, press conference that, you know, you referenced and, you know, the the question that he was instructed to take. I mean, wait, 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 go slow there, because that really wound me wrong, which is after he gave his comments and didn't really even address how many troops had died, he said he was instructed to take questions from particular pet reporters in this particular order, which is a real and true reporter, I'm not playing that fucking game. That's 1984. Like, you got to know out there, I'm working, Karen, Mark, we're we're working for you. And you you, you can attack us as whatever you think we are. We're we're just for you. That's all we're trying to do. I'm not going to play a game with anyone. And you know, you saw from there, he gave us his time. That guy's busy. We do our work. We don't just sit here and comment on things going around the world. We try to be involved with it. And I got to tell you, speaking of doing the work, how often do you see a politician here just bloviating, just, you know, talking about something? He actually went there and did something. And much, yeah. and much, I, I mean, much that's to his, admirable. Both much him to, and his Much colleague. to the damage of his career. Like, yeah. look, you're left, you're right, you're the middle. That guy seems to be left and right and in the middle, he, in a sense, right? Look, it doesn't do him any good to vote to impeach Trump. He could have just hid, but he didn't think it to be right. Right? Well, Charlie, people have to understand too, right and wrong exist on both sides of the aisle. People want to be adamant so strongly for the people that they like or the parties that they identify with that they ignore things when they don't fit or feel right. It's like, no, you know, they're so blinded by the person and the party. And you got to look at things for what they are and not just how they impact you, but how they impact everybody. I mean, what's the collective good of what's happening or what's not happening? Yeah. I, I mean, that's that. That's it. I mean, call and, them out. And, right. We're Americans. Yeah. Call them out. You work for us. Look, and ultimately, this is about us. And we're no fortunate sons who died at those gates yesterday. Right. It was our people. And I'm trying to look out for him. He went, I went, a lot of people I know went to, to fill you in. So 
all we've been doing for many weeks now is trying to remember what happened 20 years ago. And this is about people. This is a memory I had. We had just been in Afghanistan maybe a month, and I was working at Ground Zero and got back on the train to come home and see my wife and take a shower. And before we play it, I want you to know that this is brought to you by the working men and women of bricklayers and affiliated craft workers at Local Two. Listen, you, you need a career, you go to bricklayers.org, click join BAC. It's a good pay, a real pension plan that won't run out, health benefits, and they'll pay you to train working men and women, a real career, uh, skilled travel trades are at an all, uh, the need for them at all time high. Yeah. So those unemployment benefits run out in a week, folks. That's when it starts in Michigan. Here's a career. Go to bricklayers.org and click join BAC. Uh, what I'm going to show you now is just the truth. I, I hope you don't hate. I, I was trying to navigate around hate. And I, thought, I thought I should be honest. It was shot and edited by Byron Goggin, uh, one of the new crew members here at the No Bullshit News Hour. And maybe a few months afterwards, where we could first take the breath, maybe November, I don't know why, it was, it was cold now. I'm on the train, rush hour. And as we're stopping in at the 20th Avenue stop maybe, in Astoria, it's time for prayers if you're a Muslim. And a man in white, in the middle of the train, prostates himself, he faces towards Mecca, and he starts praying on the train. Beautiful thing, being close to God, but I've never seen that on the train. And he was looking, was, it wasn't a lovely look. Put that looking at everybody like, and I wanted to kick him. I didn't, of course not. Because I knew hate got us there and hate wasn't giving an answer and he didn't, he didn't have anything to do with it. I tried to think about what he was feeling. Why they hate us, why somebody did this. You know, this was the time when the United States troops are in Saudi Arabia holding the oil fields. This is the time, the greatest migration of Mexican people to the United States ever. It was the biggest wave of immigration from one nation ever. This is, cell phones are now becoming ubiquitous and laptops and globalization and all of a sudden people are feeling a lot of stuff and it was just a very confusing time. So again, I supported going to Afghanistan, finding bin Laden, whooping their ass, killing some Taliban, hanging him from a tree, and leaving. 20 years later, we're still having left. And then we're at ground zero, and we're hearing this, this, I believe, I either heard it in a truck, or they were broadcasting at ground zero, Bush's speech about the axis of evil. Iraq, Iran, North Korea, and I remember looking at a prominent Teamster and some official from the Port Authority, and we're like, what the fuck is that? And then I, then I started getting afraid. And now it's 20 years later. Please never forget 
these 20 years may be the most consequential times in maybe human history. Globalization, digitization, right? Yeah. War, war, war. I don't know. We're living in a very important time. Try to find some middle. That's all I got to say about that. Now, I want to get to what's going on in Detroit. The feds are all over the place for that. I, I want to let you know that No Bullshit News Hour is brought to you by Hall Financial, which closes the majority of their loans in eight business days or fewer. It's a great time to finance. Interest rates are still at all-time lows. There's now housing stock. Is now you can buy, you can still get a good price for your home, you can still refinance, winter's coming, get the roof fixed, nothing worse than a leaky roof, right? You get service, that's why Hall Financial has 4,000 five-star reviews. Uh, just go to, what is it? What is the, the freaking website again? Uh, go to our website, you can link to it. How did, what's our DavidHallMortgage.com too, or no. DavidHallMortgage.com, and what's That's ours? the easiest one. Uh, nope. Oh boy. We don't have one. It always just pops no, up. Just, just no do this. Write this down. 248-308-5000. It rhymes. 248-308-5000. Make sure to tell them no bullshit news hour sent you. You get... You as, get. as much as I appreciate the pensive and reflective Charlie, I want the um, angry... Uh, uh, the, the, the animated Charlie back. We'll, we'll get there. It's just... I know. I understand. This is heavy, you know. Okay, well, I but I thought it, maybe not uh, me not remembering the website would help out. <laughs> Play me some new Luke Nowacki music. <laughs> hey, that'll bring it. That always gives me a good night. No video to accompany it. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Aaron. Listen, overreaction, underreaction. You can't get no action, can't get no satisfaction. Any of that shit happen to you, you call Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Well, 248 663 4748. Rational. Financial advice. That's what I put all together with no wacky. Smart. Money. 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 Don't forget. Inflation. Don't forget. You got babies. Don't forget. You got yourself to look after. You got your old folks to look after. How you going to do this? I guess. Call Luke Nowacki at 248 So pick up the phone today. They call the one and only yeah. Royal Alliance. You see the pictures? See the pictures, Karen? Did you see the pictures from City Hall? Yes, of course I did. How could you not? They were, you know, uh, around. I saw them. I was disappointed, though, Charlie, that it wasn't the lead story on any of the local stations I was watching. Maybe they did it earlier, but it was really kind of buried. And then it was quick. And I'm thinking, like, this is you know, pretty important, pretty significant. We're, we're between a primary and a general election. The feds, you know, are investigating or gathering information or evidence. It's like, I just, I thought it was a little more important than maybe like a storage facility, losing the key to somebody. It was some crazy stuff that day. I've never seen, look, I was there when they raided John Gotti Jr.'s house, right? The Bergen Hunt Fish Club. I've never seen so many federal agents. What they did... What was it? Uh, I lose track of days now. Was it Wednesday? Uh, I think so. It was Wednesday. It was yes. Wednesday. 100%. Yep. I run down there. They got City Hall cordoned off. Yeah. yeah. They've got the, 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 the blocks of the homes of um, City Council Member uh, Scott Benson and City Council Member Janae Ayers. 
They got the whole block zippered off. I've never seen so many federal agents, like Karen said, it's 10 weeks out from a municipal election. Don't forget, earlier this month, City Councilman Andre Spivey, right, gets indicted for conspiracy to commit bribery. He's taken 35 grand. Don't forget, in May, gutter pants councilman Gabe Leland pleads guilty to taking an envelope, free lunches, new quarter panels for his fucking car from a Detroit businessman. These are four city council people, right? What you should know about these four are they the Mayor Mike Duggan's voting block. His most dependable voting block. You want stuff done on demo. You want stuff done on towing. You want stuff done on weed. You want stuff done on billboards. That's the culture of his city hall. So what is this about? Is it about the the towing? Is it about the demolition? Is it about the weed? What is? Because they make this big show, and the first question is, okay, what is this about? And Duggan comes out and does this big press conference where now all of a sudden he's very concerned about towing in Detroit when anybody who's had their car towed in Detroit kind of feels like, oh, that happens, just happens. Since 2017, towing has been an issue. And so if if towing were an issue, you you should be responsible and not reactive. And that's what that was. So, you know, there's a group of, and I think it's the Detroit Towing Association. I think there are nine companies that have been trying to work to help reform um, you know, the towing ordinances. I know Scott Benson pushed back hard on uh, Council President Brenda Jones, wouldn't even let it get through committee, which now when you look back at it, it's like, hmm, that's kind of interesting. Think that Gabe Leland, who was his girlfriend uh, at last year at the time, it was Jennifer Fiore. I mean, start connecting. Jasper Fiore, the, yes, the, the daughter, titan of towing, yeah. who went his away daughter. for two years, right? They had him up on a wire. Yep. Right, Janae Ayers was mentioned on the wire. They're going to buy her some billboards. Uh, gutter pants Gabe Leland is on there. He's you in know, his seat for a year, picking up bags on neighborhood and demolition. Um, but who's know. also on that wire? They're discussing getting through to Mayor Mike Duggan. They're t- discussing going and having a drink with former Chief of Police James Craig. Who? Do, how does the mayor even know that they're uh, looking into towing if it is in fact towing? Because it's Rob Snell from the Detroit News, or it's me. And we also know, again, that long-running demolition probe, they're worried about that in City Hall. I talked to Duggan's inner circle. Here's what else happens. The cabinet meeting is conducted every Wednesday, that Wednesday. I'm told by people in, in the cabinet meeting, everybody's phones start pinging. It's a news alert. The council people's... Uh, Homes are getting raided, and they're all learning about it on the phone. They conduct a meeting. The meeting comes to a conclusion. The cabinet members get in the elevator. They go down to the ground floor. The doors open up. Only then do they see a buzzing hive of G-men, and they're realizing they just got raided. Yep. The the fact of the matter is so much bullshit's been going on in this town, as we've been telling you. Ours is the lead story. Again— the feds are still looking at that dirt. I don't know. The, the, the top guy never goes down. Never goes down. Kwame Kilpatrick went down because he was so stupid about sure. it. He's talking on the wire about it. Yeah, a little sloppy. Mm-hmm. Right? But the fact is, this whole era, you're now seeing it. The city council is dead. Duggan came out and said, what? I want to reimagine towing? Right, Karen? Well, what? wait a minute. The fucking deputy chief under you, Mike, 
went to prison on these towing contracts. Went to prison for a year. I talked to Gasper Fiore yesterday. I said, he's out of prison. I said, Gasper, he didn't want to say too much, but I go, where's it going, bro? He goes, it's going up and it's going out. He won't tell me what up means, but it ain't very far up. Okay, that's breaking news. Number two, what does that mean? It's going out into Wayne County, because don't forget, the feds are hitting Taylor on this shit. They're hitting Romulus on this shit. Macomb got hit on this shit. This is garbage. And I've been telling you, folks, I've been telling you, corruption to this extent isn't one person. It takes a thousand accomplices. I feel sometimes I have nightmares. Like I'm in some Hollywood gangster picture, hmm. right? I'm in some Hollywood gangster picture, and I'm trying to tell you, and this was like, uh, this is, this is kind of how like my dream went. <laughs> What's the point? The point is that Maury Levy is a past officer of the Monumental Bar Association, and unless I want to spend my whole life as a fucking ASA, I can't spend my afternoons pissing on people who matter. Another career in the balance. Fuck you. No, fuck you. If only half you motherfuckers in the state's attorney's office didn't want to be judges, didn't want to be partners in some downtown law firm, if half of you had the fucking balls to follow through, you know what would happen? Uh, A guy like that would be indicted, tried, and convicted. You'd just use anyone, won't you? Okay, that's called parody. That's covered under the First Amendment. If we were doing parody, that was my face you put over the actor. Yeah, for those listening, if you want to see it, go to the YouTube channel or the Facebook page because it mysteriously it turned into Charlie halfway through there. Yeah, go to the Americans <laughs> with Charlie Laduff. You can always subscribe on YouTube and watch it. And you're going to want to for the penny story that we did it's coming fa- later. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You get on there, you click, you subscribe, you share, share, share. Speaking <laughs> of which. Oh, so by the way, let's do the sum total, Karen. There's no fucking parking redo from Doug and he just instructed the chief of police the new chief of police who was the assistant chief of police when all the towing shit went down the basically he's over internal affairs you're now going to address this by the way Mike here's the math we got we're down two city council people next month I expect Andre Spivey to be pleading guilty everybody thinks he was wearing a wire because he was cooperating for 15 months right Mm -hmm. okay so you're down two, two others aren't running for re-election, and another two are now caught up in, in the wire here. You don't got enough fucking votes to do anything, right, Karen? There's nothing to be done. This is the thing, though, Charlie, and let me say this. I always say that, you know, Mike doesn't know politics. He wrote the book. So, you know, I mean, I have to either think one or two things, either, you know, this is, uh, this is strategically done, being done, or at some point that, you know, this will reach past the tentacles and into the body. So, you know, maybe that's what Gasper was talking about. I don't know. But, you know, nothing nothing is coincidental uh, when 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 it's when it's in, in, in this era of politics. It's just not. So, you know, I'm thinking back now that you mentioned it, you know, was was Gabe allowed to stay there, you know, uh, for another year so that he could wear a wire or gather more information huh. on other. I mean, you know, was was he the. Was he the pigeon? I mean, what was going on? But because I thought it was awfully odd for him to be able to allow to just stay there and vote on things that impacted people in this city in in spite of, you know, the cloud he was under. Nobody said anything. It's like, okay, we'll just stay here. 
I don't know. Nothing. No, nothing is hap, haphazard or hap by happenstance. I mean, it's this is not. This shit's junk, man. I'm, I'm telling you, these rats are everywhere. Don't, don't forget that the billionaire that put all his money downtown, which, by the way, is just a tax shelter, Dan Gilbert, Quicken Loans, yeah. settled for a $35 million fraud uh, suit brought by the federal government because of bad mortgages being written after the collapse of 2008. All this is, I, I'm, I'm telling, hate, hate, hate if you want. I'm working hard. I'm a nonpartisan dude. I want better shit. This is the truth. And we sent another brother from another mother who's a member of this show, comedian Detroit Red, to the porch of humiliated hmm. and soon-to-go-down councilman Andre Spivey, who also doubles as a minister. But before we play it, I want you to know, right? This is brought to you. Of course. By this, 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 this one I'm digging. This one I'm digging. This, this is my people, right? Yeah. This is a Native helpline, Native Americans. If you're hurting, if you're in a relationship and you want to talk, Strong Hearts Native Helpline is here to listen. Strong Hearts is a free 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, confidential and anonymous domestic dating and sexual violence helpline for Native Americans and Native Alaskans. Connect with an advocate by calling or texting 1-844-7-NATIVE, 1-844-7-NATIVE, or by using the chat icon at strongheartshelpline.org. That's very dear to me. People from my tribe, Sault Ste. Marie Chippewa, are on this board. There's a lot of us here in Michigan. It's going to be a national rollout. They wanted to come here. If you're skin, if you belong to the people, this is for you. Look, I'll say this. They didn't even tell me. Even if you're not, call them. They ain't going to turn you away. If you need some help, these are my people. If you need some help, call. It's, an it's anonymous. It's confidential. Okay? 844-7-NATIVE. Yes. And, of course, one more. Uh, if you're getting older. Yeah, I am. We all are. Yeah. And you're getting to the age where you're eligible for Medicare. You don't even know what it means. No one right? does. It's easy. Go to yourmedicareguide.com or call 888-970-2940. 888-970-2940. They answer your questions. They're qualified. They're licensed. It's free. It's by telephone. It's by internet. It's by Zoom. I bet you they do it by mail. Whatever it takes. Right? So don't get do your mail. Mail delivery sucks. And I hate to say that, but don't do mail. Yeah, don't do Well, It'll there's enough other there. options. Yeah, that's, that's a, other options. Another freaking thing that needs to be fixed. But before we go there, yourmedicareguide.com is how you get there. Yourmedicareguide.com. So much shit needs to be fixed. Yeah. Right? A lot of that, people helping that. Yeah, we gotta we gotta hire a fucking comedian <laughs> to do the fucking work of the press. And by the way, he knocks it out. Here's Red doing reporting. And a stand-up. It's well done. On the porch. <laughs> and Andre's. Councilman Andre Spivey, kiss our ass, you rat. <laughs> He's winded. Why is he so out of breath? He's not in shape. Hello. How you doing today? Comedian Detroit Red with NBN News. Wondering if I could ask Mr. Spivey some questions. He's talking to the doorknob. Hello? He's got a ring doorbell there. 
If Councilman Spivey's listening, I wanted to know, did, do we know anything about the raids on the two council members' house in City Hall yesterday? Did he have anything to do with that? <laughs> Is that some of the information he gave up? Hello? You're the crickets? Well, I, I guess I'm going to just interview the, the, the <laughs> ring button. I also wanted to ask Mr. Spivey, did he wear a wire? Is there any other people that he may have named in this that we're going to see raids on? Did he give any information on Ayers and Benson? Did he give any information on Mayor Duggan? Will we be seeing a raid on Mayor Duggan associated with his cooperation with the FBI in the last year? I, I guess well, they, they on the ring button, but they ain't <laughs> answering none of the questions. Hello? Okay, I think we just lost connection. Well, as we can see, somebody is very aware here. I'm talking to the ring camera here. Somebody answered it, but they don't want to answer no questions. Like I said, this is Comedian Detroit Red here with NBN News. Just trying to get some questions answered. We know for a fact that Councilman Spivey has been cooperating with the with the FBI over a year now, as of yesterday, there's been two raids conducted on other council members, Holmes, Benson, and Ayers. I want to know, did he wear a wire? Is these some of the people he helped cooperate against? Who else is we going to find out about this? What other shoe was about to drop? I mean, as a resident of District 4 and a, a voter and taxpayer in the city, I want to ask Mr. Ayers, do he have any shame for being a part of this major the corruption that's going on in the city. He got a nice paved street here. I don't have a nice new paved street down there where I live at. Matter of fact, I want to know if any of the bribes that was taken. Yeah, I want to ask that. If any of the bribes was affected the quality of life that I've been receiving as a resident in District 4. Hell, I can't get a paved street, much less a empty field that the city owns cleared out and mowed and cut. Did he say anything about Mayor Duggan, a.k.a. Mayor Doodoo? So they answered the ring bell, but they don't want to answer no questions. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> well, can't get no answers. Motherfuckers ain't even got balls to come out and tell me to get off their porch. <laughs> Reporting from disgraced Councilman Spivey's house, this your boy, Comedian Detroit Red. Deuces. Well done. I'd love uh, to know what Spivey knows. Oh, the man that put the balls on red. He's yeah. doing the stand-up on the fucker's porch as the guy's hiding from the public. I want Spivey's video. I want his ring doorbell video so we can see red from the other side. Aaron, isn't that your district, too? No, it's not. I don't even know who, you know, now I think about who is my council person. I don't even know who my council representative is. <laughs> what district but you know what? Let me tell you this. Did you hear when the lady that was quoted in the news, um, she said that she had never seen or met Janae Ayers, even though she lived a few doors down from her. She said she only recognized her because of her picture. What kind of elected official doesn't, and doesn't knock on the doors of their neighbors? I, I was kind of taken aback by that. I really was. Well, let's go like this. What else did Red find out? Like, what is Red, the baddest ass reporter in town? Because Red found out that uh, Gabe Leland don't even live in the house he said he lived in in yep. Detroit. Yep. He lived in fucking uh, Redford. 
Many, but, but we found that out about council people before, Charlie. And the thing about it is, is that, you know, what does this mean to Detroiters, um, the, the electorate? I mean, to people that are there going, I hope to vote. Like, does it matter? You know, last night they asked on Let It Rip, like, you know, what what will it mean for them as candidates? And the reality is, is that I'm not so sure that it's going to mean anything. Let me put well, this. Let me put this in perspective. OK, OK. So you talk about the city council. It's been a laughing stock for 20 years in the last uh, you know, 16, 17 of these last 20 years, four city council people went down in flames. Kay Everett, who wanted 17 pounds of sausage, along with $150,000. Uh, Lonnie Bates, who not only was paying his girlfriend for doing nothing out of the public trough, but her daughter. There was Monica Conyers taking envelopes in the Mr. Fish parking lot, which she liked almost as much as the fish sandwiches at Mr. Fish themselves. And then there was Charles, the pedophile pew, who absconds off to New York while he's being hunted, you know, for grooming school children. He's mm. expected to be paroled in yeah, December, right? Yeah. December, yeah. We'll, we'll be knocking on his door, right, Red? Mm. That's four in 16 years. We got four in four months. So you tell me what, what happened here. And you all tell me on, on the Twitter, Facebook, whatever. I love you. You can say what you want, but you don't know that much. That's what I'm not saying I'm a know-it-all. I'm giving it to you. This is for you, my brother. For you, my sister. We're spending hours Days, weeks, fucking, I've been here a decade. You, this is a hustle. I have one question for Karen, though. Uh, let it rip. You mentioned it, and uh, I noticed you did it from the same room you do the show on. Yes, I did, you know, and I'm glad because we only, you know, I, they, they, we only did nine minutes, and I'm like, if I had gone and set up a whole other room and all that stuff, I was, I've been so busy. I was like, you know what? <laughs> Out of the love for the No BS News Hour, I'm doing it from Cell Block D. That's there what it I'm is. Doing. Yeah. Wait, did they mention that you're with the No Bullshit News Hour? I don't know what they did. It was so <laughs> quick. I mean, you know, Andy Arena was on, uh, ML was on, and um, uh, Reverend Horace Sheffield. Nobody uh, knows uh, these people in Kazakhstan. We have listeners in Kazakhstan. All right. You know what I'm saying. So, but Charlie, we just got an email from someone, and they raised an interesting point. It said, don't forget about um, the puppeteer over Duggan, who also wants those towing contracts. Uh, just like he was a boss over Ed Magnamere. Uh, they're talking about how maybe the these they will win. It? They're talking about Tony Suave. Hey, Tony, how you doing, Tony? Tony got it's not, it's not from Tony. It's from a listener. I don't want to. Just, just I know. Say I'm just name. messing yeah. around. I don't know nothing yeah. about, about what Tony got. That's to interesting, do. though. Tony was involved in towing at one point. Yeah. I mean, here we go, folks. Wow. Oh, by the way, again, uh, if those. I don't know what the, the Treasury Department's going to do, but y'all better come with cleaning up those poison holes. You better come with that, because I will show up in Washington. I know the game now. And don't you think it's interesting? Biden's in the White House. Duggan was one of the first guys in the country to endorse him, right? And the feds are still coming? You ain't stopping this, dude. Wow. You ain't stopping this. Good. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh Now, listen. Here's what we got to do here. See, we did it. Let me let me write this off here. Okay, we did Afghanistan. Got we a did whiteboard. City Hall, yep. And we're now going to the economy. Here's the deal, folks. My Michiganian pals, it's Michiganian. That's how they call it in the federal documents. It's always been this way till Snyder and Whitmer decided they're going to change it. It's a, we're Michiganians. That's the way it's always been, and that's the way it's going to be. And 400,000 of you. 
will not be getting that unemployment beginning next end of next week. Yep. One so, week left. One week. Your governor's on TikTok. Oh yeah, way to go. You're Very on, disappointing. You're on notice. You're all on notice. James Craig's on notice. Gretchen Whitmer's on notice. The Republicans are on notice. The Democrats are on notice. The school unions are on notice. The police department brass is on notice. Y'all on notice. Y'all on notice. We're here. We're working. We're working. But this piece here is the value of a penny, of a dollar, of five dollars, a third. What does it take anymore for anybody to bend over and work for a living? Again, shot by Byron Goggin. Detroit comeback city. High noon, lunchtime. <laughs> Not really a lot of people, but I know the economy's got you down. What's inflation doing? What happens when the government checks run out at the end of the month? What is even the value of a penny? Do you notice you go to the gas station and everybody leaves them there? How are you? So what does it take in America to actually bend over and work for a living? Do we have work ethic? Would it take one penny to get you to bend over? Let's find out. Here we go. And there they go. Old Abraham News. Well, not one penny. Of course, inflation's at a 20-year high, so why don't we make it 10? 10 pennies. Nothing. There's 10 pennies laying there, gentlemen. Anybody want to stop and get that? No takers. How about 60 cents? Walking right over it. Not 50 cents. He's walking right over it. It's a disrespect to the USA. He's walking all over money. Looks like we're gonna have to up the ante. 100. So she looked, well, I guess a dollar's not enough to get yourself a new tattoo. How about 200? Maybe times aren't as bad as we think they are. Times are good for you? Oh yeah, thank you, appreciate that. You getting that, uh, that Biden that, bucks? That, or? that RKT money over here. Oh, that RKT, you're yeah. back, you're working. Oh yeah, we're back working, baby. Yeah, no, no wonder nobody Nobody got the time to pick up 200 pennies. Oh man, that's crazy. You don't need it. I don't, I don't, need, a, I don't need a penny. Oh no, hell, he don't need hey, it. Every little bit helps. Well then go ahead, help yourself. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, he not know. Damn. That lady just stepped around those things like they were kryptonite. Certainly the man knows the value of a penny. I think you just got your answer. He does know the value of a penny. Nobody wants a penny. Remember, one penny times a hundred is a dollar. How about five hundred? That should do it. Here's two hard-working ladies. Got a double look. Look at that. Somebody dropped five bucks. Here's a nice couple looking to start out, young love. He's looking around. Maybe he's Googling what those are. You know how kids are, it's all digital now. Oh, the youth of today, no work ethic.
Oh, look at here. Oh, oh, maybe. He's looking around. He's thinking about it. Do you feel like people are embarrassed to actually bend over and take some free money? I tell you what, not if Uncle Sam's sending it to you in a check. Go ahead. If you want those, you can have them. Well, they don't make enough sense. A freaking comedian out here. <laughs> they don't make enough sense. Look at here. I got $5 and pennies, and nobody wants them. Do you think maybe people don't want to bend over and work for their money? <laughs> that Biden money runs out next month. Well, lunch hour's getting on, and I'm sweating. Nobody wants 500 pennies, not even one of them. So I'm gonna up to Annie here. Two. Two thousand pennies. 20 bucks, I'm gonna stack them up nice and neat. Make it real easy. Twenty bucks. Here we go. Twenty freaking dollars. That'll get you a 12-pack of good beer. A case of bad beer. That'll get you two packs of cigarettes and a tall boy for the kid's future. Oh, he's marveling at it. Marbles at it. One for, hey, hey get, get the rest of it. It's a fucking tourist attraction. Pick it up, America. Do some work. I'd rather just give it to you than give it to Uncle Sam, divide it up with some bureaucrats, some crappy contracts, bad schools. I'd rather just put it in your pocket if you'd only bend over. You're used to leftovers and trash and shit laying on the sidewalk? Yes, sir. Because you're a sanitation man. Yes, sir. How come nobody will pick up $25 in free money? Because it's a penny. They don't know how, how much is a penny worth. Yeah, but when you put, like, 2,500 together. You got money. That's a goddamn crate of beer. Yes, sir, it is. Ain't nobody want to do the work, do they? Yes, sir. Nobody want to work in this country. Look at here. Oh, oh, maybe. He's looking around. He's thinking about it. He can't bend over the cane. How you doing? Wait, come on, keep waiting. Good Samaritans. Let's, let's, let's hook him up. There's more. I'm not good with lifting anymore. Yeah, you're broken up. My back, and I got titanium in my right leg. I'm not above getting these pennies. I get them all. You know how much is there? Uh, I'd say about six, seven dollars. Thirty dollars. Thirty dollars. You know you're the only man to stop and pick this up. The last hardworking men in, in Detroit. I put down three thousand pennies and everybody just walked right by. Can you believe that? That'd be thirty dollars. Yeah, amazing, right? Doesn't that tell you something about how people are looking at the value of money? Well, if they saw the pennies. Oh, they saw them. Well, there you have it. The only man that stopped is the man that understands the value of a penny. But what did we learn here today? There's money there if you'll only look for it. And when you find it, there's no other way to get it but to work for it. Or ask some other guys to work for it for you. That's called the boss. That's compliments of American Coney Island and the No Bullshit News Hour. How are you? Yes, I am. Let's give it back. Oh, that's great.
3,000 pennies, you motherfuckers. Charlie, you got to remember, Detroit is so gentrified, they probably thought it was an art installation. That's why everybody's talking like, oh, my God, it's art. And you kept saying one thing. People get tired of getting screwed because every time they bend over, that's what happens. (laughs) That's a great piece, man. That was. That was great. And that piece could not have been brought to you. Without the help of ADR consultants, uh, the one you call when you need to get something done. You, you all broken down a homeless, can't bend over? Yeah. Can't pick it up? Yeah, I don't What do you call? Who? Uh, ADR. Hey, the trash ain't getting picked up. The municipality won't pick up the trash. Who do you call? Who should I call? You call ADR, like, right? You know, if you need help with the management of your property, if you need help with the city, who do you call? ADR, but Charlie, yes, are they honest and ethical? That's what A stands for. <laughs> honest. D stands for ethical. And R says, real fast, call Barry Ellentuck at 248-318-9424. Mention the no bullshit news hour and tell him you need someone to fix the shit. Boom. Your shit. That's Charlie should have treated him to a coney, you know. Nice. I old, fucking nice treated old the guy to a coney, some winter shoes, uh, yeah. you know, like a crate of beer. What I treated him. I even helped pick it up. Yeah. Thirty dollars. Uh, I can't even expect. You know, that. there used to be a guy on our block when I was growing up, and he would always throw change. It was an old white guy, you know, and every time he walked down the street, he would throw change, and I was vehemently forbidden from ever picking bending down picking up that my mother said don't you ever reach down and because kids would all dash and he'd walk and throw that just reminded me of that so well why did your mom forbid you was the guy grooming you or no no, he wasn't she was just saying like no you don't reach down and pick up something somebody threw i mean the way he would do it you know and i don't think he meant it maliciously but as far as my mother was concerned that wasn't something that you know, I was supposed to do. I don't know, but she appearances. Appearances never make it look like you're in need. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, I, I wasn't, but I mean, you know, I wasn't going to reach down and pick up money that some guy was walking down the street throwing. I don't know. That just reminded me of that, and I know it had nothing to do with it. So forget it. Let's keep going. I'm sorry. No, that's that's the heart <laughs> it of just it. Just reminded me. <laughs> never be too proud. Like anytime, like you bend over and something of value goes in your pocket, it's worth it. Yeah. And I would do that. But just as a kid, you know, I mean, I think, you know, and you got to remember, my mother was older. I mean, we're coming out of a whole nother era, you know, and here's this white guy throwing this pocket, just throwing it. And the kids would all dash towards it. And it's like, "Mm, no, you're not. Mm -hmm. You don't. So I don't know. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's go. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. (laughs) Never bend over and pick up Whitey's crumbs. (laughs) Nope. Right. Am I right there? Was I? I don't know. I don't know if that was it or not. I just think it, I don't think it was a matter that he was white. I don't know what it was. It was just a matter of everybody scrambling for something that, you know, I mean, as a kid. Well, now, now it's like, hey, yeah, that guy's grooming. He's a pedophile. Don't, don't <laughs> yeah, do it. Right? I don't know. But, I mean, hey, you know, in college, I used to take the, the thing out of the washer and pick it up because there was always change in oh, there. Yeah. I mean, I don't care about picking up change if I see, you know, I mean, I will. Just not 30 not that kids. But, yeah. Yeah. Now, listen, if you want to see the video of that and you're actually listening, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to YouTube, as we told you earlier, right? Where we're posting them now, right? It's the, uh, just what did we put in there? Charlie Duff, the Amer- Yeah, the Americans with Charlie Duff. The, the Americans yeah. with Charlie All Duff. your good stuff's up there. The whole shows are all, the, the, the visuals are on there. Uh, all these little extra pieces with red, the pennies. We're moving. And soon, special surprise, here it comes in mid-September. We're going to two days a week. Breaking news. 
We're going to two days a week, and I think we're going to move this Facebook people to Thursdays, Sundays, and Thursdays. Is that cool, Karen? Haven't talked to you about it yet. Sure. Okay. It's Thursday. Sundays. That's the one day I try not to do anything, but okay. But, but that's the day we're, we're going to, I think Mark and I were talking, we want to do a lunch day. Yeah. A, a round a table. Yeah. A, a brunch okay. at, the, at the Coney Island in the window, right? Little round table mm-hmm. and Thursdays. So get ready for it. It's coming. You see, we're a lot more visual now. We're really getting there. We're trying. We're in the we're loop. Growing. And we really appreciate you being with us. And we hope you got something out of it today. And we hope you come back next week. If you can't love one another, then don't. <laughs> See you That's later, a good Karen. Message. <laughs> and God bless all the troops everywhere yes, around the world. You. Yeah. This up, I want to hear it. <laughs>